Hey, Rewatchers, this episode is brought to you by the 30th anniversary gathering in Lakeland, Florida. That's right, a one-of-a-kind 30-year Highlander anniversary convention. And your rewatchers will be in attendance. That's right. We're going to be there on December 3rd and 4th. So make sure to head over to LashConEvents.com. That's L-A-S-H-C-O-N Events.com to pick up your tickets today. You can get a day pass. You can get a pass for the whole weekend. Also, Adrian Paul's Sword Experience is going to be uh, at the event as well. And there's a lot of great guests there. Christopher Lambert is going to be there, which Elizabeth is awesome. Grayson. Elizabeth Grayson. Uh, who else? Um, John Mosby. John Mosby, author of Fearful Symmetry. You may have heard his his episode on Highlander Rewatched a couple weeks ago. The hits keep on trucking, so be sure to tune in here to get updates about the convention to hear more about how you can go and what you can see. Uh, we're really excited about the convention, and we hope you are too. We can't wait to see you there! What's the problem, McLeod? No one home? I knew you'd come. You've always been so predictable. I think it's about time you join the rest of your family. Holy ground, McLeod. Shame on you. You're forgetting the rules. I tried to get Xavier to come, but even he wouldn't kill here. Does this make you feel important, Norton? Powerful? Is that what this is all about? This is not about me, McLeod. This is about you. You and your kind. You're an abomination. And what does that make you? I'm the man you can't kill. Welcome to another exciting episode of Highlander Rewatched. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Kyle. This is Eamon. This is Keith. Oh, reverse order this time. Yep. Keep you on your toes. Yeah. <laughs> on your ears, toes. Ears, the toes. toes. Of your... Those are the lobes. Oh, God. Are they? I... No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're here to talk about one of our... One of the most exciting episodes of season two. Yeah, this is a this is a big one. Uh, Unholy Alliance. Colon part one. Ah, uh, so before we talk about Unholy Alliance, one of the highlights of season two, we thought we'd tackle some reader mail from one of our previous episodes, The Fighter. Eamon, what do we got? This one's from Paul H. We've seen plenty of immortals who do whatever they want because they have the view that mortals are insignificant and they shouldn't be held to the same laws and rules as mortals. Uh, in the San Francisco flashback, I think Duncan suspected that Sully had killed the other fight manager to get the money, but chose not to pursue it. Now flash forward to 1993, and because Duncan didn't stop Sully then, more mortals had been killed. Having Sully arrested and imprisoned would not truly be a punishment because he could commit suicide, come back to life, and escape. Sully would then be on the loose to start somewhere new and begin the same behavior again, killing more mortals. Duncan would probably never serve as judge, jury, and executioner when it comes to a mortal, but he does take that role when it comes to immortals. Yes, Sully did deserve to die. And we should say all this reader mail is in fact about Sully. Did we establish that? No, yeah, all yeah. of this that so we're going to read is in the... response to that episode. Yeah. So we're reading three bits of reader mail with different takes on whether or not Sully deserved to die in the episode The Fighter. 
which we all thought was very good, but we were a little little torn about the moral climax of that episode. Which is okay, I think. I think it's cool that it was, like... Ambiguous. Yeah. I, I think that's what makes part of a good Highlander episode. Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. know, you root for Mac, but situations can be complicated. Anyway, <laughs> this is from Laura. Dear Rewatchers, I think Sully did not deserve to die. You argue that Sully killed George because he broke his trust. McLeod also kills Sully because he was disappointed by his friend's behavior and felt kind of betrayed. His fault is that he does not fit into Mac's high moral standards. But what are those anyway? We see McLeod killing random mortals all the time. To justify the fight with Sully with the rules of the game is hypocritical. Sully is not a bad guy and no threat neither to mortals nor to good immortals. The episode reminded hmm. me a lot of the episode Valkyrie from season five, in which Mac's friends Ingrid has an has understandable reasons to hunt down and kill political fanatics who were or could become dictators. The authors also let her kill an innocent policeman, so it becomes more justifiable for Mac to kill her. The difference is that in season five, the producers of the series start to question Mac's worldview of defining people into good and bad. In the end of the episode, he asks himself the question, what's the difference between him and Ingrid? And who is going to judge him for what he's done? Anyway, thank you for the podcast. It's always been a fun listen. Please excuse my grammatical mistakes. Greetings from Germany and all the best, Laura. Awesome. Thanks yeah. from... Uh... Yes, go on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for writing in all the way from Germany. That's a, all the way. All sending the... that email all the way. <laughs> yeah, I had to go through a whole series of tubes to get here. But no, we love getting international insights on this show. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Laura. And finally, in response to the fighter, we have an email from Zacho. Hey, oh. This is the tiebreaker. Oh, this yeah. This is going to determine. The this answer. is it. Yeah. yeah. For once and ever, we've settled morality <laughs> because of Zacho. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. I do believe Sully deserved. I don't even need to read the rest. Game uh... over. All right. I do believe Sully deserved to die, but only because he killed Boxer Mc... <laughs> killed Boxer McBoxerton. <laughs> Oh, that was his name? <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, Mayborn and Goon were scum, <laughs> and their murders weren't okay or anything, but not unwarranted. However, I don't believe Sully's motive was that they were scum, just merely that he was crossed. And this is the thing where the trouble starts. Killing mortals for petty revenge definitely deserves the Mac attack. Nice. <laughs> uh, Duncan is usually more forgiving of moral quandaries when it's kept between immortals. It's all in the game. Also, I agree that this was one of the better episodes so far this season, except for the flashback with the fight. The fight itself felt like it went on for so long, <laughs> and Brock was the worst stage fighter I've ever seen. <laughs> Mac was dodging punches before they were even thrown, and Brock was still throwing them in empty air. Uh, and right before Sully murdered him in the flashback, bad guy McManager did say, Sue me! Did people in the 90s actually say that this much as the show does? <laughs> I didn't notice he said, Sue me. That's amazing. Yeah, Which I didn't is notice Because you know we would have all gone, so Sue, sue me! me. <laughs> well, thank you, Zacho, Paul H., and the lovely Laura B. from Germany. That rhymed. Is that, was that what was going on there? Yeah. <laughs> We're just having a rhyming scheme? Yep. All right. Episode number 14, season two, first aired February 24th, 1994. This episode was directed by Peter Ellis. He previously did Studies in Light and The Fighter, which we just talked about. Hmm. Um, in the past, of course, he's done some Silk Stalkings. Yeah. Uh, some Third Watch, Smallville, Diagnosis Murder. I remember watching Diagnosis Murder a lot with my grandmother. Does anyone mm. remember this show? With yeah. Angela Lansbury as the... Uh... No, that's no, Murder Di- Shoot. Oh, that's Murder Shoot. With Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, and Dick Van, Dick Van Dyke's like actual son as his son in the show. 
and no his son was like a cop and there would be it's like a csi sort of thing but there'd be like medical mysteries it's like how do i solve the crime and he would go to his dad be like oh you see there's like blood under the fingernails like simple things that <laughs> like the police lab should <laughs> like be taken care of yeah uh but um they would solve crimes together it was a good show and it's got Dick van Dyke. he's very charming oh of course all right this was written by david tynan he's a producer on the show um, he wrote a ton of episodes, and we've seen his work before in The Sea Witch, Return of Amanda, Eyewitness. David Abramowitz credits him with being one of the great voices of the Highlander series. So, guest stars, guys. He's back. Oh, yeah. Yep. Roland Gift. Roland Is Gift. driving us crazy. As Who? Who? <laughs> Who? Like no one else. Like no one else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, right. he's Xavier St. Cloud. This episode also guest stars Peter Hudson. As James spoiler, spoiler, yeah, I guess so. As James Horton, spoiler yeah. alert. Well, that's the unholy alliance. Ooh, yeah. And also, Stacy Travis as Renee Delaney. Mm-hmm. Renee Delaney. Yeah. Um, she was the flight attendant in Salt Plane. <laughs> <laughs> she's also. On an she's also in a bunch of other stuff. She's on an episode of Frasier. Yeah, she is. Uh, I think she was in Kroll Show, Boston Legal, Entourage. She's in a lot of. She's in a ton of stuff. She's yeah. very recognizable. All right, so guys, let's get into this IMDb episode description. Immortal Xavier Xavier. Immortal Xavier Xavier. Just say Xavier. Immortal Xavier Saint Cloud has mortals shoot his immortal opponents <laughs> so he can take their heads. Joe tells Duncan about the killings to warn him. And soon, St. Cloud and his henchmen show up at the dojo. Duncan discovers the supposedly dead Horton is working with St. Cloud. And Joe knew that Horton was alive. Meanwhile, an army back to classic IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, an army intelligence officer named Renee Delaney gets involved while she is investigating one of the men working with St. Cloud. Wow. <sighs> so that was our episode, folks. Oh, yeah. uh, join That's, us next week. Yeah. Beat by beat. Yeah. So we open back in Paris. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Where John Arbuckle and his <laughs> older wife are like in a flower shop yeah, uh, of some kind. Florists. <laughs> they say that with disdain. Florists. <laughs> and he gets the, the, the man's immortal and he gets the spidey sense. Right. Yeah. So he's got to go outside to face whatever this is. And there's some tension, I guess. Like, perhaps he has not faced someone in a very long time. You get that's, the impression? That's the implication. Like, yeah. they've been hiding out from the game. Right. And he says to her, like, you know, knew this day would come. So yeah. he heads outside. Also, his immortal weapon is pruning shears. So that's... <laughs> that's that's a problem. Yeah, it's very do... hard to decapitate someone with that. This uh, this opening kind of remind me of like Saving Grace a little bit. Oh yeah, two people together were kind of dropped in the middle of. I don't know. I think this set up a nice little mm-hmm. dynamic of these two characters right away. Yeah, sure. it's not bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. So John Arbuckle goes out into like a parking garage or like a. Back I think it's just al- the alley. It's yeah. a back alleyway. Who's there? But. Xavier. Xavier St. Cloud. He's Xavier okay. Yes. <laughs> what is this Xavier joke? That's how they say his name. That's, that's only how says Horton name. says his yeah. name. No, someone else says it that way, too. The pronunciation is mixed up across the board in this episode. <laughs> they didn't nail that down. <laughs> so John Arbuckle immediately goes in with, launches in with some taunts and says, aren't you a little unarmed for this? Wah, wah, and then, wah. of course, they zoom in to show that Xavier St. Cloud now is a pirate hook hand. So awesome. It's great. So, yeah, well, I guess this is the very first big thing to talk about is that question answered. What happens when an immortal loses his hand or her? They lose it. They lose, lose it. it. It's gone. Yeah, I call bullshit on this. <laughs> it's a whole thing about fighting with swords. Like, I feel like everyone's taken a 
No one has fingers anymore. Yeah, people's digits are definitely missing. Yeah, I, like why not just make his hand be able to grow back? It's cool that he has a it's, hook hand. It's it plays out. Yeah, great. So yeah. like I don't want to overthink it. No, yeah. But I'm thinking body parts should grow back. Yeah. Well, that like Duncan's been in wars for like 400 years. You think he'd lose a couple fingers or yeah, something? Yeah, cannon blast to the ankle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, so they're about to face off. Xavier talks about how he used to use gas. I think this is like this is an insane speech he gives. Yeah. It's completely nonsense. He's like, you may have heard I used to use gas, but it was too indiscriminate. It wasn't a gentleman's weapon. Now I have a new weapon, and his new weapon <laughs> is, is two dudes with machine guns. <laughs> Jumping out of the van and just shooting everyone. The van is actually the weapon. Yeah. Means. I just have this van and whatever's inside it. Uh, I don't control what's inside the van. So they shoot this guy down, and then Xavier comes over and takes his head. That's right. Check and there's like a, a cool like swish. Uh, oh, um, yeah, like, they like dissolve. Yeah, and, like, the dissolve. Spins. Yeah, it's like a spiral. Sword. It's cool. Yeah, it uh, cool. So then we cut to New York. He's traveling. He's he's covering some real estate here. And they're in a parking garage. Yeah. This garage. Right. So more goons pop out of a van and shoot this guy, and he takes his head. Uh, but, of course, before he gets shot, the guys pop out, and the guy's like, you can't do this. It's against the rules. Uh, so let's talk about that. Yeah, this is weird. Yeah. There's a lot of tension here throughout the episode of how to handle this. Well, like, so The immortals are so taken aback that he's doing he's like playing the game this way and it just got me thinking like nobody's ever done something like this before well, it's like so ghastly and abhorrent to them yeah and it's so hard to understand exactly why well i think it's as this guy says it's against the rules like i guess they've never come out and said it's against the rules except in this scenario by saying you're not supposed to do this well they've said they've been very clear in the past it's one-on-one it's one-on-one only. oh what's they've what's always- the rule that this is more than one-on-one, or is it that he's shooting? I think it's that it's more than one-on-one. Right, because you used to use the gas before. Like Certainly gas is like adjacent oh, to guns. Hmm. Yeah. G- guns, were, guns are a less sophisticated weapon than gassing is. Yeah. Than like weaponized toxins. I, I guess, thought that it was about the guns. Because I thought at some point he says like he's found a way around it, or it's like it's okay the way I do it. And I thought it was because he's not shooting. That's like the caveat. No, I think it's the numbers. I think it's the ganging up aspect. So you can have mortals gang up on immortals. Yeah. Well, it's also blow- But so how has someone not figured that out yet? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, after all this time, nobody's ever done something like that before. And, like, you'd think everyone would do that. Yeah. Like, immortals would want to be kings. So they had armies of dudes protecting them. <laughs> Which is a perfectly fine way for this to go. Like, I could see that being an avenue for rich plot stuff. But I think, once again, like, you encounter, like, this, like, are they rules or are they guidelines kind of... Well, this is kind Scenarios. of in line with the uh, Sum's like strategy a little bit. So Getting all the way back to that. Yeah, this is a good episode and introduces a lot of good things. But I think there's a reason they very quickly like sweep it back under the rug in terms of this ganging up aspect and go back to having one on one fights with people. Yeah, because it really does open a Pandora's box. It's like everybody should just have a goon with a gun nearby. Yeah, right. Every- everybody, because. Hey, there's a reason we don't use swords anymore in regular wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will tell you what that reason is. You can figure it out. So then we have two guys who are watching a videotape of Duncan McLeod from The Return of Amanda. Yeah. In that jewelry store, the yeah. trophy store, whatever it yeah. is. <laughs> so there's someone's voice off camera that sounds familiar. That's mm. him. <laughs> and he's like, that's who I want. So. It's Orton. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> 
<laughs> so then we get more history with Mac as... Well, Tim and Charlie are on another like date they're, together. This time, I mean, you know, you can tell they're like a few dates deep. They're, they're like going to museums together now. Right. Like they're willing to show that side to each other. <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're at the Maritime Museum in Vancouver. They're at like a boat like that was trapped in ice for two years. It was that like took. It was the first boat to ever take the Northwest Passage. Uh. Mm. So. But then Duncan's like, this is so weird. Like they play this like Duncan is recounting. Like, Duncan is giving him the history, also on the way out of the boat. And he's like, oh, it's hard to believe. Like, they, the crew of eight made this trip, and they were stuck together for blah, blah, blah. And it's like, this feels like it's one of those things where, like, because Duncan's an immortal, he knows, like, the inside scoop. And it's like, I get the feeling that Duncan read the plaque inside. Charlie decided to skip it, and he was like, boring. And then on the way out, Duncan's explaining the boat to him. I don't know. I know. I think that's, I got the impression he was like, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, I was like, I lived in the Northwest at the time, so I heard about this. Maybe. But Charlie's follow-up line to this is amazing. He's like, wow, guys must have really learned to depend on each other. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, ooh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Mac all of a sudden decides to pretend to be sick because he thinks someone is following him. Yeah, this is where he's like, oh, why don't you go on ahead? I have to lean here. He's like, oh, my sea legs or something. Make some crack about sea legs. Where the fuck does Charlie have to go that he leaves them there? Yeah. Like, was Charlie on his way to the bathroom? Like, yeah. what is... Are they not leaving together? <laughs> I guess. Or is, like, it, oh, is it just implied, like, I need some space, bro? Like, yeah. <laughs> this is all moving a little too fast. <laughs> uh, so this guy's creeping around. Duncan hides behind, like, some stairs and jumps him. He doesn't even jump him. He says, like, excuse me, can I help you? And this guy goes straight Immediately for, for punching. punching. Yeah. Like, straight for punching. And then this guy, who we later learn is named Rick Davis. Ranger Rick Davis is just... <laughs> like appalled and feels so wronged and it's like you you're the one who tried punching this guy when yeah. he kind of scared you a little bit and you used violence yep in the script i don't know why they took this out in the script they have duncan checking the guy's wrist when like oh. he ambushes him he like rips his sleeve back to see what the deal is yeah that makes sense yeah it does make i think that's a nice touch i don't know why they cut that yeah for Maybe. a new watchers watchers listeners for our new listeners that's where the watchers have their tattoos yeah their tattoo to toot sweet. Um, so it turns out that this guy, Ranger Rick Davis, is an old friend of Charlie's and, and is like a retired badass of some kind. He used to work for the army, but now he's like a private contractor. Right. Doing wet work. And he's like, uh, Charlie, you should look into getting new friends or something. Yeah, the whole interaction's kind of awkward, frankly. Charlie's pissed yeah. that Max being a weirdo again. Yeah, and in fairness, Max being a weirdo. Yeah. Anyway. Horton and Xavier aren't the only ones who are back. We get some Joe. Joe is finally back in as well. Yeah, so we're back in the loft. Max checking out, like, he's just looking at a chessboard. And I thought this was fairly intentional as, like, a reference to Darius. Like, I think chess is back in this episode as a Darius reference. Hmm. 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 Huh. Hmm. Hmm. Joe informs him that two immortals, including his friend Anton Legree, who I was calling John Arbuckle earlier, (laughs) was being killed. They would get set up by mortals, and then someone would come in and take their head. And he said something like this hasn't happened in a thousand years. Except for last season when this happened. Yeah, except when Horton did it. (laughs) (laughs) Something like this hasn't happened in like two weeks. When, when was the last time we saw Joe, by the way? Been a, has it been a while? Or? It's been a while. Yeah. It's been an episode or two. Well, he's right? back to yeah. kind of help out. Sort of. Well, he mm. was in Color of Authority, right? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So this guy's a Law and Order fanatic. Also, side note, Duncan offers Joe some brandy. He's very excited to take that brandy. Yeah, that'd be great. He leaves without touching. <laughs> <laughs> 
In any case, then we cut to a odd flashback. This flashback makes zero sense to me. I don't get how it relates to the episode. Like, I think all. it's well. So let's talk about the flashback. Like, what it is first. So it's in Scotland. <laughs> uh, so we're in 1670 in Scotland. Duncan is teaching this like little shit, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a little shit, like how to play chess. Yeah. Well, uh, but well, I guess he's been hired. Gnawing on a chicken leg. Yeah, he's just like eating a giant like chicken full, leg. He's like full on barbarian, Duncan. Who I kind of, I yeah. still. Oh yeah. yeah, it's great. It's mas- Master Auric. This kid thinks he's like bested Duncan. Yeah. And then in one move, Duncan's like, oh, checkmate, you lose. Pack up the pieces, bro. So I guess this kid's father hired Duncan to teach him, like, the ways of war. And so this little brat's all, like, yeah. bummed. He's like, you're supposed to teach me how to, like, wage battle. And Duncan's like, I am. It's a very kind of Mr. Miyagi sort of thing. So I think this is why it relates to the present plot, is that Duncan talks about, like, there are rules. Like, they must be followed. There's tradition. Like, he he's hints at all that stuff. And while he's there, all of a sudden, a knight rides up on horseback to, right. to challenge Duncan. And, of course, little shit wants to get in on the action. Yeah. When I saw this knight, I thought he looked like the French knights from Monty Python. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Duncan tells little shitbird to, like, beat it. And the kid doesn't want to leave. He's like, no, we'll fight him or whatever. And, again, I think this is part of this, like, there are rules about combat. And, like, we have our own rules. It's one-on-one, no witnesses. Hmm. Which is also, like, that's a rule we don't talk about. Like, I feel like that gets brought up a lot. Maybe it's, like, an unofficial rule. Like, our fight is private. They, talk, they always bring that up. It's yeah. like, no, we don't, we don't fight in front of anybody ever. Yeah, this is not for them. Fights are constantly broken up because the prospect of there being witnesses. Mm-hmm. Right. So he doesn't want to leave, so Duncan... <laughs> Punches him in the face. Very satisfying. Oh, it's awesome. It's great. (laughs) So who is this knight who shows up? Uh, His name is, well, originally I typed just a series of letters. I was like, that's all I have. Uh, His name is Michel de Bourgeonnet. Michel de And he just wants to fight Mac for game. Yeah. He's a French Knigget. Well, he's he's an immortal, right? Yes. Presumably Mac wins this fight like their fight starts and the flashback ends yeah right so i think we get to tally one up on the the quickening count for mac on this one i'm thinking i totally forgot about the quickening. yeah we know count. that they fight so i'm gonna i'm gonna we'll guess, assume he's i think he's won on this one you don't think they yeah. it got broken up later no i don't think so <laughs> i think he takes this downtown charlie brown Ooh, takes it downtown Hey, Rewatchers, Keith here. Make sure to follow Highlander Rewatch on Facebook. And the biggest thing we can ask of you, the biggest thing we can ask, we could ask you for more, but we're just going to ask you for this. Review us on iTunes, please. You'd be a great big help. And it helps get our podcast in front of more avid, avid, rabid. Yeah, just in completely rabid, <laughs> rabid. foaming at the mouth Highlander, <laughs> Highlander fans. fans. Just ugh, put them down. <laughs> Uh, so please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it, and we'll read your review on the air. Do it for yourself. Do it for the podcast. Do it for Highlander. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we, we cut back to the present. A dark van pulls up in front of the dojo. Inside, 
Duncan is like, he's got a bag. He's like on his way out. So I guess he's taken Joe's warning to heart and it's like, I'm hitting the road because right. this sounds like bad news and I don't want any part of it. Charlie so, is like kind of upset with Mac at this point. Like this episode, Charlie's kind of planting the seed more that he like wishes Mac would trust him more or be yeah. more honest. Wishes with him. his best friend was less of a jerk to him. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he's getting ready to leave when oh, Mac gets that immortal Spidey sense. Yep. So he tells Charlie to get the hell out of there, but it's too late. And Xavier <laughs> Xavier Xavier comes in. And we get like a real quick flashback to like show that they've fought before and like a little recap there's, of their previous exploits together. Yeah, which there's a lot of there's like some padding in the it's form okay. of that flashback those yeah. flashbacks. It's it's pretty good that. though, so I'm okay with it. Well, this is the second one of these we've had already. Yeah. What he said. So they chat for a little while. There's a great line. McLeod's like, Aren't you a little far away from home or whatever? Xavier's like home is where the head is, which I thought was pretty good. That is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Can we just go back to calling him Xavier? This is driving me insane. <laughs> <laughs> Xavier. Xavier Sinclair. <laughs> I will be calling him Xavier. I'm sorry. <laughs> Rufus Xavier Sasparilla. I like Satterans. <laughs> so anyway. So, so he uses his secret weapon. Yeah, so the, the secret, he unleashes yeah. the secret weapon. The dudes come out and they just start blasting They away. shoot the dojo up for like 45 minutes. They, they have time. They've got automatic weapons. They, which they reload. Yeah. So they yeah. empty four clips of automatic weapons into this dojo. How many times do they hit Charlie and Mac? Zero. Zilch. Zero. <laughs> they obliterate the phone, though. Yeah. <laughs> and they accidentally shoot, like, a pipe or something, and it kind of creates a... Like, all the steam is, steam, like, billowing out. Yeah. The steam screen. So, Charlie and Mac are hiding in the office, and Mac's able to get them out of there by... He reaches up and he pulls the fire alarm. Yeah. That's the cue for them. They gotta book it. I don't know what the fire the the fire department thinks when they show up. Clearly, no questions must be really asked. Like yeah. this is a huge this attack. Is, like, yeah, this is like a war zone. <laughs> yeah, but hey, whatever. And also, like Mac has lied to them because Charlie's like, "Well, you know, why don't you tell them everything?" And it's like, "Why don't you tell them everything, Charlie?" Yeah, yeah. Charlie wasn't questioned in this. <laughs> nope. Well, I guess he was being a good friend and keeping his mouth shut. Charlie ain't no snitch. Oh, this is the thing that kills me. They get out of this situation, like they move on. They just kind of skip this entire investigation with it just ending with Matt going, Thanks, I hope you find him. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like a lost dog. Yeah, Thanks. I hope you find him. Yeah. Uh, so at Davis's apartment, I guess he's there being questioned by Xavier. And Xavier's telling him how much he like fucked up by letting Mac notice him or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but Davis is like, what are you going to do, kill me? And then Xavier's like, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, and I guess kills him by giving him a heroin overdose or something? Yeah, Maybe, yeah. It appears Unclear. to be the case. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's very threatening, though. Like, Roland Gift is using his hook hand to great effect throughout yeah. this episode. Oh, yeah. I love that hook hand. Yeah. It's very cool. He's, like, very gently caressing him with this hook yeah. hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's menacing. You so, can't gently caress anything with a hook. <laughs> I, I want to revisit this investigation by the police or whatever. So at the dojo, I guess after the police leave, Charlie's like, got his own theories about these guys and he's like did you see those guys like those guys must be like green berets mm. rangers like the set of skills they had it's like first off you saw nothing they came in and started shooting you dough behind the thing yeah and they missed and they yeah. all met like, so they were, but, like they're not that great <laughs> they do nothing like they literally saunter in <laughs> and start blasting and he's like they got all these skills like <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what he's like where he's getting this inference but uh, yeah, they've got a trigger. They can pull it. <laughs> like, as far as I'm concerned, it's like he they walked in and just shook their arms around. Yeah. Like, they didn't look like they were aiming at anything. 
Well, at one point they like, like do they like put their hands up. Oh and, like, yeah, aim down yeah. a little bit. Oh, that's the that's the skills though. Yeah, it's like the joke in Ghostbusters. You're right, Ray. No human would stack books like this. <laughs> like, that's such a good joke. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's the same thing. Like, oh yeah, you're right. No non green beret would <laughs> would shoot a gun wildly in all directions. <laughs> Uh, so Charlie wants a piece of these guys. He doesn't care, I guess, that Xavier's like Max deal because Mac doesn't seem to want to give him a piece of the action. But he's like, but those other guys, like, like that's a they're black ops team, and that's something I know about. And it's like <laughs> you do, like they know about it. So Mac kind of goes along with this. He's like, oh, like if you had to find like a wet work team, where would you go? Davis. <laughs> wet work. The, the darkness. Davis. Yeah, the wet darkness. Thirty five. Uh, wet works. So then they pull up to Davis's house and come in to find him dead. Yeah. So they break into his house. Yeah. <laughs> then they find him dead. Then Mac wipes the area down for fingerprints. Yeah. Like he goes all CSI on this. Yeah. yeah. He's like, all right, so let's destroy some evidence because we probably also wiped away Xavier's fingerprints insofar as he left any here. But he's got like, all, he's like, oh, uh, this must have been here for a few hours. Like rigor mortis. Is, like he knows, all, like yeah. he's all over this crime scene. Yep. They find like a needle. What is it? Heroin or something? That's why I assume it's heroin. But Charlie knows that something's up because he hated needles and would never touch that stuff. Davis hated needles. Like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Listen, when you served with somebody, Eamon, yeah. you know everything. Also, before they went in, he said that Davis liked danger a little too much. Mm. Mm. Living too close to the edge. That's right. Living on the edge! <laughs> Living in the fridge. So... Joe's back. Okay. Joe's back. They're in the park. This whole scene is cut, by the way, in the U.S. version. Really? Mm-hmm. Which I, in my notes, have written, duh, afterwards, because it's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> well, here's, like, this whole Watcher thing, I just, I don't know what they're doing. Joe is supposed to be Max Watcher, and Joe doesn't know that Max Dojo was shot up. That someone tried to assassinate him in that dojo in the loudest, most conspicuous way possible. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, I was watching him. <laughs> like... I guess they're not supposed to be watching them like 24-7, right? I guess. I guess. But, I don't know. This Joe just like warned him that there's an imminent attack. Me. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I'll step back. Like, yeah. you'd think at these circumstances he would be on his tail yeah. more? I don't know. Yeah, good point. Yeah, my, my note just says, how do you not know? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Because he seems so sort oh my god, they came for you, didn't they? It's like, yeah. That thing Obviously. I just warned you about happened? <laughs> That's this whole scene? So we get no new information. Yeah. And Mac tells Joe to stay out of it, which he doesn't do. Cool. Good scene, guys. <laughs> but, now, but now Mac is just washing this down with some grocery shopping. Yeah. He's like, all right, well, now that I'm almost dead, got to go to Target. So this Southern Belle is having trouble starting her car. She looks ridiculous, by the way. Sure yeah. does. <laughs> her hair's all up. She has like a leopard print, like fur coat. Uh, but she asks Mac to do the man thing to her <laughs> to her fuel pump? to her car. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so Mac says, uh, "You lost the hose to your fuel pump." Thing. Once again, I don't think this is possible. I don't think this is. I don't think you can lose the hose to your fuel pump. I don't know. I was trying to look this up. Let us know, guys. Crucial plot point. So Mac, Stop talking, Keith. <laughs> yeah, so Mac is gonna drive her home with right. her groceries, but then she has like. It looks like a like, wrapped up lampshade. It's a lampshade. Like a hamper. Yeah. Right. It's a lampshade. Yeah. yeah. I thought I thought it was just a really bad grocery bag prop the first time yes. I saw it. I was like, is that supposed to be a grocery bag? It's just like a tube, but no, it's like something. So Duncan's a real sly fox and he uh 
sneaks in a question about her boyfriend, which I thought was pretty good. He's like, oh, so you uh, got all this food to cook for dinner for your boyfriend? <laughs> it's like, Duncan. You hound. I know. <laughs> She's uh, going to cook dinner for her mom, so she says. Yeah. But then they get to the apartment. She's like, oh, I don't normally let strange men into my house. And he's like, unless you trust them? And she's like, no, unless they have a gun. And it's a setup. <laughs> she has her gun pointed at Mac mm-hmm. in the crosshairs. Uh, Who was going upstairs, now that I think about it? What is he going upstairs for? Is he just down to get, get down to business already? No. Well, it was a, like a split level. Yeah. So he like walked level. in the door, and you had to go either up the stairs or down the stairs. No, there's like a little foyer. <laughs> Maybe the kitchen's upstairs. <laughs> In your bedroom. Yeah. Isn't that where your kitchen is? Sorry. Isn't that where you do your cooking? Come on, guys. (laughs) Keith, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, So anyway, it turns out she's with... The Army Army Intelligence? Army Intelligence. Yeah. And she is looking into the death of Rick Ranger, Rick Ross. And Mac knew it was a setup the whole time. He saw, like, some type of army seal on her like exhaust yeah or something on like on her windshield yeah. yeah like which he then puts between her breasts mm-hmm. <sighs> well, she's wearing like a, a halter top or something not that that's excusing it yikes yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know anyone wearing a halter top wants you to put their army credentials between their breasts Uh-oh. it's a very specific bit of sexism <laughs> he wanted so to... davis must not have been a great guy no. Period. Well, he was a fucking mercenary for the bad guys. Yeah, but or, I mean, he must have been doing that for a while, because like, she's investigating this, so like, Ranger Rick is no no friend. Yes, this is very true. I'm a little... Bu- we don't get... It. Her involvement with like the army intelligence does not give us more information. Ever? At ever. Point, because she even says here, clear. she's like, you'd think this would be the clue now to Ranger Rick's involvement, like how yeah. he got involved, where he's been hanging out, and she's just like, it's all classified. And it's like, cool, so we won't find out anything, anything either. So, moving on. Right. Yeah. And she's just like, did you kill him? No. Okay. <laughs> and he leaves. And then he leaves. Why so, couldn't she just be like a, another watcher or something? Or like, her being an army person doesn't play into anything. Well, it just, she never, spoiler alert, she never plays into anything in this entire yeah. episode, really. But she's there. She's a character and she exists. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, back at the dojo now, Charlie is still... Hot under the collar about this whole thing. He wants to leave. He says to Mac he's going to leave in the morning because he's hurt over this whole thing. Yeah, and he knows that just Mac isn't going to tell him. Right. But he's he's deduced that he cut off Xavier's arm. Which is like kind of a crazy thing. Like if I was just like, oh, that guy that doesn't like me, yeah, I chopped his arm off. <laughs> right. Like, wouldn't you kind of be weirded out? That's like a ex- really extreme conclusion. Like yeah. If you have beef with somebody and you're just like, you probably like took a limb away, right? Yeah, well, I mean, whatever beef they have has to be extreme enough for him to try to kill him with two armed men. It's a beef. It's a murder beef. So <laughs> yeah. like, I guess so. The list of things that that beef could be over. I, dismemberment I is guess on so. that list. So I forget exactly. How does Mac figure out where these guys are? So he's he meets back at the park with Joe, which I'm sure they filmed both of these scenes at the same yeah. time. Yeah. And one was padding and one is kind of useful. Uh, so he meets Barton. Barton, a new watcher. Who's another watcher who yeah. is, also seems very complicit to yeah. break the rules, all that sort of stuff. Joe seems to have no problems letting him know, let's break the rules together. And I guess he's been the one keeping an eye on Xavier. Yeah. And so he knows where he'll be. So he gives him the address to this 
warehouse and Mac gets into his like kitty cat suit to go fight these guys. So we cut to this warehouse that Xavier's in and Barton is there as well. And it's like the trap is set. Yeah. So he's no time between this reveal. It's like two seconds apart. Right. Uh, So clearly, I guess this guy Barton is like one of Horton's goons, really. Like he's a hunter. So Mac then does his Batman shtick and just rappels down into this building and kicks these two dudes in the face. Right. It's pretty savage. And then Charlie drops down seconds later. (laughs) Yeah. Charlie in the scene before wanted to help Mac and Mac's like, no way. Also, Charlie does say Xavier, I believe. Does he? Yes. Yes. Because that's what I have in my notes. I was like, how does he say it? (laughs) Everybody (laughs) says it their own way. (laughs) Uh, So, again, we've got these weird mixed up characters. Like, in the last episode, Charlie was, like, maybe incapable of tracking anyone. In Mountain Man, Duncan is, like, a spirit animal in the woods. Like, he can track. And he has no idea Charlie has been following him this whole time. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. He's not good in the urban jungle. Nope. That's right. Uh, (laughs) No twigs to look at. Yeah, exactly. Or to dance on for 30 seconds on screen. So I guess, was this entire flashback for a parallel to, like, Charlie's involvement, too? Like, he's, like, the impetuous kid who, like, wants to help out in the fight when really... It's, It's like, not his place? Yeah. Oh, maybe. I don't know if that's what's... I mean, he does punch him out. (laughs) Very much the same way. Just decks him. Yeah, I guess... one-hit K.O. That's like a predictive flashback. Yeah, I don't know how but I feel it, about that, if that's up. supposed to be the parallel. Because I think it's different, though. It is different, but it lines up pretty closely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the lesson we're supposed to learn is that, like, when your friends ask you to butt out, butt out? Like, maybe is that? I don't know. So, after he takes out these goons, Xavier joins in, and we get treated to one of the many good fights in this two-part series. Yeah. yeah this fight's awesome. Like, Roland Gift is really into it, and he's really good. And the hook hand gives them a lot of, like, ripe chances to do different things with the fight choreography. Yeah. Yeah, incorporating the hook hand is, like, smart and cool. Because they didn't have to, like, do anything, but they got it all up in there. They didn't have to make it so that Xavier lifts Mac up off the ground with his hook hand. (laughs) Yeah. Also, you can tell that they took a different tack with a lot of the the fight choreography in this. Because this feels huge like yeah. people are super acrobatic they're moving incredibly fast like well mick it's it's superhuman yeah mac like flips totally over <laughs> he xavier leaps, yeah he seriously leaps nine feet in yeah. the air doing a backflip it's over awesome xavier. yeah we should make a gif of that yeah oh yeah <laughs> that no a rolling gift a roll <laughs> i was gonna say that <laughs> you got me god damn it that's really good a rolling gift the one funny part in this fight is when oh. Xavier hides in the van and, like, pops out. <laughs> Boo! This entire fight's like a video game. It's awesome. Oh, it's great. Yeah. So they've been having it out. And then out of nowhere, I guess, Horton is up kind of on a ledge, like a balcony Yeah, he's on, like on a rafter or something, yeah. Uh, and he's got this, like, crazy high-powered rifle. Yeah. And just uh, blows Mac away. Yeah, he shoots him, what, three times? Maybe yeah. two times? Uh, and Mac falls, like, into an elevator shaft. He throws himself into it. Well, he falls... Oh, he, he ro- uh, first he just falls on the ground, I he think. He falls yeah. in front of it, and Xavier is about to cut his head off but charlie like comes in right and he's like gonna stop him and then horton shoots charlie yeah, yeah. and charlie then after that house. mac rolls into the elevator shaft and then horton's like we gotta go yeah and i was just thinking why 
Correct. Your plan was to lure him here and shoot him. Mm-hmm. Is it because of the gunshots? Like, but they were going to shoot him anyway. They were going to shoot yeah. him anyway, presumably. They're, they're, presumably their plan involved multiple men with automatic weapons right. shooting him. So Is it because of Charlie and he thinks maybe Charlie has reinforcements? Maybe, if they don't know who Charlie's involved with. Yeah. Maybe. I, I guess my only... I, does Horton know that Delaney's coming? Because she is coming at some... Yeah. <laughs> You okay? Yeah. Are, oh, are we, are we being six? Is that what we're doing? Yes. Okay, good. Perfect. So right. Delaney's on her way in. Yes. So I don't. I mean, I don't know if he he knew that on the outside and was like, "We gotta go." Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. Yeah, because they have him. Yeah, and why is she there? I mm. guess because she's been tracking Davis, and this was a known hideout of his. Or maybe she's following Duncan. Hmm. Mm. Everyone's following Duncan. Oh, I have a, that's something that happens in this episode, is everyone just follows another person. Like, no, they don't ever find out anything. It's just one person follows someone else, and then the other person follows that person. Like, the whole, this part and the next part is just people following other people. <laughs> people following people. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not sure why they feel the need to leave, but the army woman shows up, and she manages to save Charlie. Single keystrokes to your favorite Highlander sites. <laughs> Just starting with single keystrokes. Single keystrokes. That sounds dirty. That's, it's the keystroke in it. Keystroke. The Darkness 45 uh, single keystroke. Uh, <laughs> Richie does a lot of single keystrokes in his apartment. <laughs> oh, oh. Highlander Launch Station's access to your most frequently used programs and applications, favorite Highlander websites, and repetitive computer tasks just got faster and easier. What the fuck is this? <laughs> In fact, it's been reduced to a simple push of a button. Your PC just got more personalized. The Highlander, TM, Launch Station is an easy-to-install, customized mouse pad that allows you to program up to 14 different preferred computer locations on its seven-button panel built right into the top of the mouse pad from point A to point C without stopping at point B. Regardless of what application or program you may be running, with a single keystroke, you can instantly access a pre-programmed site without closing files, dragging and clicking, or having to search for files on your hard drive. Makes researching easier, going online a cinch, and faxing, online shopping, or whatever task you desire, simple and quick. Comes Highlander ready, What's that mean? Your Highlander launch station... Oh, I guess here it is. Your Highlander launch station comes already programmed. Asterix. uh, Easy deprogramming allows for reassignment of those keys. uh, For instant access to our Highlander website. Plus, it's available in your choice of two dynamic Highlander mousepad images. Uh, Windows 3.1 and up. Compatible browsers. Netscape (laughs) 2.0. Internet Explorer... 3.0, and AOL, which you must be logged on, it says. uh, Desktop PC compatible only. Here, I'll I'll pass these around. You guys can see pictures of one's got one. It's just a mouse pad. It's like a plastic looking mouse pad. This thing looks so bulky and shitty. Uh, One is of Duncan McLeod laying in some grass, and the other are the four horsemen. So that one's cooler, I guess. But yeah, you just, they're buttons to go to websites. They're like quick buttons. (laughs) 
<laughs> so here you go. Guess how much this these. Guess how much. Guess how much this. Ma- it's a mouse pad that has no. button that has buttons on it that will just. There's just shortcut buttons. How much bucks. do you think that costs? Fifty bucks. Thirty bucks. Eighty bucks. And what? You're ki- oh god damn it. That's insane and useless. <laughs> it's, co- it's called a. It's called bookmarks. You bookmark websites. And even those old browsers had bookmarks. Yeah. This is. But you can get to. Oh, I guess that's point B. Bookmarks. Get from point A, your brain, your desire to see a website. C, I guess, is the website. B? B is the bookmark tabs. Skipping B. What a time saver. This is so goofy. If anyone out there had bought one of these or had one, please write us in. I want to know all about how it worked. I mean, I get how it worked. (laughs) I just want to hear about it. Stories, recollections. What sites did you program? There's also another ad on this page for exciting mouse pets. <laughs> we'll get to that one later, I think. I don't I don't think that's there, possible. There's like a pirate, there is a pirate Duncan one, so that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exciting mouse pads. What a cumbersome device that doesn't exist anymore. It's get like yours today. Speed dial for your computer. We cut to the hospital. And I guess the nurse says Charlie's not doing very well. And Mac, I guess, shows up and confronts Delaney. And she says he's alive because of me. And all I could think about was the zone. Remember when Duncan just, like, bailed on Charlie? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. he left him in the zone? Like, Mac left before Delaney got there. And I guess didn't realize that Charlie was alive? I don't think he left before he got there. I imagine. So they didn't like, check the... The elevator shaft? Yeah. Is that standard procedure? You check an a nearby, you check all nearby elevators. Well, shows? I got the impression that that was like the ground floor, like the way when they show Mac get out of the elevator, he like can like he. I think he stands up, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, like it's like that's like the ground floor, like so the elevator only goes like two feet down. Or or there could be a basement, and he may have climbed all the way back up. Maybe, maybe not. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, I don't know. It's hmm. strange. I don't really get it. <laughs> I just imagine that Duncan just left them there. <laughs> So, but Mac really gets up in her face. Like, he's, like, being kind of aggressive with her. And it's like, she did just save your friend. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, Charlie ends up flatlining. (laughs) 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 And Mac gets kicked out of the hospital room so they can do their doctor thing. Right. And Mac is still refusing to tell Charlie what's going on. Yeah. Like, that, like it, they, the way they shoot it makes it seem like that's the reason he flatlines. Like, what's going on, Mac? And Mac's just like, I'm not telling you. And he's like, ugh. He, <laughs> he just dies. dies of disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> so Mac goes to the, ch- the hospital chapel. I think we should play this clip. Going to the chapel and I'm going to okay. miss Charlie. <laughs> you believe in that? You believe in that? I believe there's an order in the universe that there's purpose, that things eventually fit. Even if you can't see how or why. When I was little, I used to think God was this old guy with a long beard who'd live forever. It has to be more than that. Santa? It's just I prayed Santa. for someone once. I prayed for days and it didn't work. Guess no one was listening. He works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. That's the why part. What? Hopefully someday you get to understand. If I live 400 years. Sometimes it takes longer than that. 
What do I do with you, McLeod? You let me finish this alone. Ooh, they touch hands. <laughs> Even in church. Even in church while his friend is dying. <laughs> Take me to church. So this is all very confusing. Mac's entire speech he gives her, like, I guess it, it kind of flips when she says, like, maybe if I live to be 400 years, ha, ha, ha. But he's very strongly implying that, like, he knows how it works. And it's like, yeah. oh, maybe, maybe you live long enough to see it. Like, you, wouldn't that be lucky for you? <laughs> like, it's very odd. I don't know. Something about it was very strange. It is strange. I mean, this is probably the most philosophy we've insight we get into, like, Mac's head. About how he thinks this stuff works. Yeah, it just seems weird. Like, his friend is all shot up and dying upstairs, and he's like, all the pieces fit, even if we don't know how. Like, it's like, Charlie's dying. Like, I don't Come know. On, man. Yeah, the, the, the one thing that is kind of interesting is, like, pointing out that immortality obviously can't be the key to this entire thing, because obviously he's immortal, he knows a bunch of immortals. That necessarily has to tinker with your notions of what's divine so that's a little interesting granule yeah it's interesting heavy stuff at the end of that scene mac is just like i'm gonna take care of it and she is just like okay and it's like you're like an army operative what do you mean okay like you don't have a clue what the deal is and she's just like fine you do it and this guy's obviously a person of interest yeah he could probably be arrested at this point (laughs) right also i have to imagine his blood was all over that place but whatever (laughs) oh yeah Let's not like, like get two in the weeds on that. <laughs> no. I mean, we, should, we should try to spend more of our time on the location of the supermarket, supermarket. <laughs> price of gold ore, or the important many, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> How many livestock worth of bullets did Charlie take? Yeah. <laughs> well, Mac runs into Joe in the hospital. Oh, that's right. And this is not a pleasant interaction. Yeah. He is pissed yeah. because he thought Horton was dead. Right. And Joe told him Horton was dead. And he sticks by it. And yeah. they cut to a weird flashback, which, did we see this? Of Mac and Joe at Horton's funeral? No, yeah, it's, it's just a flashback of two men nodding at each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but this, yeah, this is not like a flashback to a previous episode. Yeah. This is like a... Do you think this is footage they didn't use? I don't know. I think I get the feeling they shot it for this. Mm. Although they don't make much of it. It's just, yeah, two people nodding. Yeah. It's yeah, a little it's, weird. It's, it's insane. It's like, oh, like... Did Joe ever actually tell you Horton was dead, or was he just nodding at you? Though I guess he was supposed to be Horton. That was supposed to be the funeral, yeah. For Horton. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe is at the hospital for his own treatment, which I thought was weird. I don't know if that's true. I think that's. I think he's there to see Mac, but that's the excuse he gives the security guard. Oh. But, like, the security guard knows him. Yeah. Yeah. It's so like, he comes there all the time. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, don't you just have a regular doctor for this? I don't know. That's not also on the intensive care unit level? Yeah. (laughs) Because he's he's there to see Mac. I think think that that's just what he says to diffuse the situation when the security guard comes over. He's like, do we have a problem here? And this is the second run-in this security guard has had with Mac. Yeah, because the first time he was just... Oh yeah, and Renee's. Yeah, <laughs> this episode can be called "Max Screams at w- at Women and the Differently Abled." Yeah, <laughs> in a hospital. In a hospital. <laughs> uh, so now Mac is in the mausoleum. Right, he finds Hot Rod's grave with a sledgehammer. Sledgehammer. This is intense. He's like housing this thing. I love yeah. this scene. It's good, uh, though I don't get it. <laughs> I, I rather like it. So he smashes it open. Yeah. And as if on cue. <laughs> right. Horton appears. Yeah. And so Horton, I guess, reveals himself and what the whole scheme has been. Mm-hmm. 
Duncan immediately goes to smash Horton's face with, with in, the sledgehammer. With the sledgehammer. Yeah. But then, all right, we're getting into another set of rules here. Uh, this is the clip we played at the top of the episode. Horton is like, uh, uh, uh. Holy ground, McLeod. You can't. And it's like, oh. What? Yeah. They're not allowed to fight anybody on holy ground. Which is the thing that's been implied in the past. Or Maybe, yeah. Or thought about it in the past. In the context of, like, Grayson killing one of Darius's goons. Right. With, like, a throwing knife. <laughs> yeah. Um, it just seems goofy to me. Like, a mortal person doesn't have that scruple. And it's not like, they somehow benefit from these rules. They're, like, se- secondary beneficiaries of this. Right. Yeah. No fighting on holy ground. But not right. in this case. But this is the part that really confused me about it. He goes, ah, 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 holy ground. I tried to get Xavier to come. <laughs> but even he wouldn't fight here, is what he says. Right, yeah. And it's like, really? So, like, there are rules. And even within the rules, it's, like, selectively enforced. So, like, Xavier is totally fine teaming up with a bunch of goons to shoot people. And then, like, walking up and, like, cutting off the head off their crippled bodies. But, like... Fighting in a mausoleum is like a bridge too far. Right. For this obviously despicable evil man. Yeah. yeah. And it's wouldn't fight here, not couldn't. Wouldn't. Yeah. Like that so it's still kind of maybe. It's still okay. kind of a choice. Yeah. And I just find that really puzzling. Also, I don't know why Horton comes. Because we're also, very quickly, like, Horton just kind of retreats. Yeah. And there was no plan. Like, Horton wasn't there to ambush McLeod. It wasn't like, but by the way, my mortal goons don't give a crap, so we're going to shoot you and I'm going to take your head. Yeah. He just, like, came to have a chat. And then to leave. And leaves. I don't understand why. Like it wasn't. And there's no need to play his hand. He's better to not reveal himself still. Yeah. It's a fun interaction. And I'm like into it. And there's some cool shots. But I just don't understand why he does it. What I thought was really cheesy. But honestly, (laughs) when he retreats, which by the way is awesome. He like ghosts out of the room. It's like he's got like a cord behind him that like (laughs) pulls him out of the mausoleum. Then like it locks and Mac has to like use the hammer to smash his way out. I was like, is this going to be some kind of Bond style trap? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is like his coffin going to start like oozing bees? (laughs) (laughs) Or like is the room going to fill up with gas? Like I thought there was going to be like a payoff there. But no, like Mac just goes, yeah! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gets the door open. Uh, here's another weird thing about their interaction because we, we get to find out like some backstory on how Xavier and <laughs> and uh, Horton. Uh, can we pronounce his name weird too? No, no. Okay, uh, Xavier and Horton. How Horton. They, <laughs> Horton. How they get like all hooked up, and so I guess Horton says like he gunned down Xavier and was going to take his head, and then he realized that Xavier could help him. Get to Mac? Get to Mac. Huh? Like, Horton clearly still has Watcher connections, as we know from, uh, what's his name, Barton. Like, Barton is there communicating with Joe. Yeah. Like, it seems like it would be no big deal for Horton to find out where Mac is. I don't know. I just don't kind of get this, like, tit-for-tat that they have. Like, it seems really... I get why Xavier wants to do it. This all seems good for him, but... Maybe. I mean, Mac took out a lot of these people already. And I got the impression that the Watchers cleaned up some of them mm-hmm. based on some interactions with Joe. So he might not necessarily have the same connections. Also, a lot of those people probably think he's dead. Also, Xavier has the added benefit that comes into play several times in this two-parter that if Mac's coming, he knows. Right. You get, like, the advance warning with Mac. And you have someone who's going to be, like, fanatically loyal to the mission of trying to kill McCloud. I am still a little bit wondering why does he truly need Xavier? Or is there something that's not mentioned here? This is ridiculous. So uh, does does the immortal Spidey sense like have a global reach? 
Like, because, you know, we've talked about, like, with the Gat, like, everyone gets pulled to a place. Does Horton not need the Watchers if he's gotten immortal? Like, it's like, you can, you're like my radar. Maybe. Like, I that mean, you can seek people out because you can is feel it, them. Is it specific? That's the thing I always wonder. Like, does Mac have his own buzz where it's like, oh, this is Mac's buzz and not Richie's or whatever. Right. But it's not, it's not that specific. No. It just seemed weird that Horton needs him to f- just locate Mac. Well, I mean, he has that vendetta of revenge for yeah. his hand. So, so then uh, we get the titular line, though. Yeah. Yes. Quite, quite an unholy alliance, wouldn't you say? <laughs> I, saw, I clapped when that happened. Oh, really? I went, uh. <laughs> I hate it when things do that, when their titles wind up in the... They have a titular line. They have a titular line in the yeah. whole thing. He was like, oh, it, we have a great unholy alliance, part one. <laughs> <laughs> also, why does he think it's unholy? Why isn't well, it because unholy? he hates immortals. Yeah, why isn't it a holy alliance, then? Because he's aligning with that which he hates. Right. Xavier oh. has co- contempt okay. for all mortals, and Xavier th- or and uh, Horton thinks they're abominations. Right. So that's what makes it unholy. Yeah. Okay. Because like, why doesn't he just think it's a great alliance? Because he's, he's on it. It's like, yeah, what a an amazing alliance, wouldn't you say? Great alliance two, didn't have the same yeah. same ring two, to it. Two thumbs up alliance, yeah. Holy alliance, Batman. Yeah. What? This alliance? It's all full of holes. <laughs> Mac asks Horton if Joe knows about this, and Horton says, "We're family." Yeah. yeah he blows up his spot pretty mm-hmm. badly. Bam. But we we do find out later that Joe doesn't really know, or just found out. But, like, Horton's yeah. throwing him under the he, bus. Oh, I guess so. Yeah, he does, right? Like, he knows Horton's a lot. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't yeah. know ex- everything he's been up to, but... Mm, you're right. Mm. You're right. Didn't Horton have a daughter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's just not in this at all? I guess not. That would have been a good, a good return of her. Yeah. I don't know. So, once again, the, the show goes back, though, to one of its favorite plot devices, which is bad receptionists. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So Mac posing as like a delivery for the world's most handsome and well-dressed delivery man. I love yeah, this scene. He's not in a delivery outfit. Yeah. Like It's like, I'm sorry, sir. Our normal guy wears khaki shorts. What's going on here? Yeah. He's like pretending. He's like chewing gum. He's like, ah, Joe That's Dawson. That's character. Yeah. yeah. It's my gum chewing man number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. So uh, we get Joe's address. Yeah, because he's claiming he has to deliver something for a doctor to Joe. Right. He goes to Joe's house, and then Joe's getting in his car, and then Mac follows Joe to the docks, and Joe's getting on a boat the night Night owl. owl. Right. So we brought up this house before just to tie up a loose end from, what was the episode? Maybe Under Color of Authority, because we were curious, where did Mac meet Joe? Remember oh, that right. scene he where like at like some mansion? Or yeah, something. it was some weird house. Like they yeah. were out back. It's like looks like they're bird watching, and then yeah. they go inside, and it's like, oh, is this Joe's house? We weren't sure, but obviously Mac doesn't know where he lives yeah. because he has to ask. And then of course this is not that place. So, so what was that place? Who knows? Headquarters. Which seems crazy that he would bring an immortal there. Yeah. <laughs> this is a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so what's up with this night owl boat? Uh, oh. So Mac is like sprinting up the yeah. docks, like hurling boxes out of the way <laughs> and staggering around. It's kind of a, it's a, as interesting as a man running up a dock can be, I guess. Yeah, well, like, it reminded me of the, the old cartoons, you know, in the old cartoons where the bad guy ties, like, somebody to a conveyor belt, and yeah, every time like the camera... way to a buzzsaw. Yeah, and every time the camera goes back, they're, like, further away than they're supposed to be. <laughs> right. That's what I felt about him running on the docks. I'm like, how long are these docks? <laughs> like, he's running on them, and Joe and Horton are just casually standing on the boat, like, hmm. Yeah, this is a night owl. Shove off. <laughs> Joe and Horton are off. They're in cahoots. Yep. 
Uh, so Mac goes back and to like the parking lot or whatever, and who's there waiting? Renee. Renee Delaney. Mac goes back attack and <laughs> yells at this woman some more. Yeah. So she again like followed him, and she says like, "I have like these army supercomputers. How are you one step ahead of me?" Good question. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's got a secret weapon. It's called gum chewing man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> More powerful than any computer. And he's literally just doing the same thing you're doing, which is following someone else. Like, yeah. there's no, there, hey, there's no secret how this this immortal solves crime, following people. <laughs> and then that leg work. he, like, opens his trunk and, like, hands or something. Front, yeah. Did anyone catch what this was? It was a tracker, right? Yeah, I didn't think this read well at all. I was like, what is this? Wait, what? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm I just thought she entire. followed him straight up. Yeah. Yeah. No, he pulls, like, a tracking device from his car and hands it to her. Which if he if he had that a warrant for that oh, oh that's a good question need a warrant for that so in the script this is the last scene of the episode oh. it ends well instead there's a much better yeah yeah <laughs> way back better. at Joe's house E at O's <laughs> mighty wind anyway so Max just been waiting there Joe comes back from their little uh, whale watching expedition night whale watching is that yeah, a thing? night whale watching yeah are we just trying to say Horton's really fat. <laughs> <laughs> He's not fat. He just has a fat tongue because he can't say the word Xavier. <laughs> Xavier. <laughs> uh, so Joe shows up and Mac's like, how was Horton? Mac confronts Joe Mac about all like this shit and really then... butt hurt. <laughs> yeah, well, because he never has had a good reason to trust Joe and right. he's just been straight up betrayed again. Yeah. yeah. By this guy who all this organization has ever truly done is help him fight a drug dealer <laughs> yeah. named Kanan. The watchers and, and kill his friends. Yeah. yeah, and kill multiple of his friends. John Arbuckle, Darius. Yeah, I would have. Uh, I think appreciated oh if this episode was like four or five episodes down the road. Mm. I think this would have been better. Like, because still up until this point, I'm struggling to see why Joe and Mac will be friends or why he should trust them. Like, it seems precarious and like it doesn't seem like a great relationship. Still, like it's still rocky. And then this, of course, puts it over the edge. It's like, oh, I can't trust Joe. I think I would have liked them to, like, become friends and then have this be, like, an even bigger betrayal. Yeah, because, like, Joe just comes across as untrustworthy and naive and incompetent. <laughs> yeah, the, throughout. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I feel like even six episodes down the line, unchanged, this would have had a lot more punch. Yeah. But Joe was, you know, protecting Horton because he's family and he knew Mac would try to right. kill him. But he says he was supposed to be, like, in exile. Yeah. Like, he's done. He was supposed to be out of the country. All ties severed. Mech tells Joe the next time he sees him, it's going to be the last time if he sees him again. That's it. For the first time, for the last time. (laughs) (laughs) That's the end of part one of this episode. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's great seeing these characters. Oh, it's awesome. And, like, they're all back. We get Joe, Horton, Xavier. It's a a veritable who's quite the rogues gallery he's got. Yeah. Yeah. Is this a holy alliance, wouldn't you say? (laughs) Uh, I think we should take a listen before we get too deep into this. So let's take a listen from David Abramowitz on uh, some details on this episode. Unholy Alliance Part 1 is an episode that I uh, liked a lot. It was strong and strong action-adventure episode and, and brought back to us the character of Xavier St. Cloud with one hand, um, which is interesting because it posed a number of questions for us yeah. as to whether a hand Let's regenerates. And uh, we had decided that it didn't, even for immortals. Um, that they could heal, but they couldn't regenerate um, and grow appendages. And truthfully, the writer sat around in the room for hours talking about, could we do this, could we not do this? And finally, we decided to go for it. 
so you know when you when you do a show like this what you do is is you make up a lot of it as you go along um, the fans used to ask you know do you know all the rules from the beginning and it's just like in life you don't know any of the rules you make them up as you go along and you try your best to be consistent and so that no one turns around and says wait a minute you're cheating because that's one thing we didn't want to do we didn't want to ever cheat the episode also was important for another reason for us it created um, tension between Joe Dawson and Mac, which was a very good thing, so that Joe just wasn't a sidekick, he wasn't a health helper, that he had his own agenda, that he had his own, his own view of the world, and it, it really solidified in some ways um, what the perspective of the Watchers were. Hmm. That's interesting stuff. I'm yeah. glad that they thought about it and fought about it a lot. Yeah. Because yeah. the, the whole regrowing appendage thing is thorny. Mm -hmm. For the reasons we've discussed, and I'm sure they did at the time. Oh, yeah. I'd be curious to hear what our listeners think. About, about the appendages? appendages? We yeah, asked about can, this already. That, well, that should be our question yeah, of the let's week. Do that. Should yeah. immortal appendages grow back? And why? I yeah. think that's a, that's a good question. If you, were, if you were in on that writer's room, what would your pitch be as to why or why not they should grow back? That's good. We'll post that question on our Facebook page this week. Or you can always write us at HighlanderRewatched at gmail.com. Booyah. So, we learn any lessons this week? Mortals will give you a Mac attack. You ought to know by now. You ought to know by now. Each and every week, we like to do a, se a segment where we talk about the lessons we learned from our hero, Duncan McLeod. I learned that, uh, you know, helping women in distress, uh, especially in a grocery store situation, will only lead to trouble. I learned that you can diffuse that trouble with more sexism. <laughs> <laughs> I learned to always check under the hood of my card. Card? Card? Yeah. Car for trackers before I leave, not after. Well, you want them to be able to follow you. No, that's true. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> I learned there are multiple pronunciations of Xavier Xavier. I learned that that's not true and there's only one. <laughs> <laughs> there can be only one. one. There can only be only one pronunciation for Xavier. Yeah, if we didn't have a serious question to ask this week, like... Can immortals grow their hands back? That sounds serious. Yeah, that's yeah, real serious. Real serious. Yeah. Like we're really chewing the fat on the. What the if Luke Skywalker was an immortal? Oh, <laughs> I guess he wouldn't have a hand. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no rule against cybernetics. Like Abramowitz oh. didn't say like you can't have a robot hand. <laughs> and like a pirate hook hand is like a very simple robot hand. That's true. But bonus question: bo -bo 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 How do you say Xavier Saint Cloud? You just did. You said it. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yay! Uh, let's uh, let's visit some uh, Watcher Chronicles here. I've got two, I think, that will be good. Uh, I want to read the Chronicle for Jason Talbot. He's the guy that got killed in the, uh, in the parking, parking garage. garage. He's got a whole backstory. Perfect. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm pumped. It's perfect. Let's get at it. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being sarcastic, you son of a bitch. <laughs> All right. Jason Talbot was the type of guy lawyer jokes are written about. What? This is why I wanted to read it. That's right. Oh, okay. This is just for you, Kyle. I'm sitting right here. <laughs> Handsome, rich, yep. with the vicious instincts of a shark. Yeah. Talbot was one of the golden boys of the New York Bar Association. He was relatively new to the Immortal game, less than 25 years since his first death, but he took it extremely seriously, knowing that the game, like the courtroom, was a dog-eat-dog -dog world where oh, only the fittest survived. What he didn't count on was that some immortals, like some lawyers, yes. play dirty. Oh, and oh, no wow. amount of working out 
and uh, working out and fencing classes could protect him from Xavier St. Cloud's hired mercenaries. Does that ring true, Kyle? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, Rene Delaney <laughs> has a, a very short Watcher Chronicle, which is like many of the minor characters in the show, like a series of bullet points, which is pretty good. John Arbuckle. So it's just Army Intelligence, Criminal Investigation Division, Special Agent, Army Brat. <laughs> it says Army Brat. Brat. Grew up on bases throughout Texas and Kansas, assigned to investigate the band of mercenaries hired by immortal Xavier St. Cloud. Is that all? Married Congressman Jack Leibowitz in 1997. <laughs> what? <laughs> so she, she's got like a future? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess this was written later. Who's Jack yeah. Leibowitz? What about Anton Legri? <laughs> I didn't get his. Uh, it's here. I don't think it was very He's interesting. He's John Arbuckle, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, lawyer jokes. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> yay. <laughs> I'm a lawyer. What's, what's sad about four lawyers going over a cliff in a Chevy? Chevy seats five. But um, bump. Hey, guys. How about we play a game before we wrap this up? Oh, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Oh, my God. Your enthusiasm. <laughs> All right. Well, I we have a new game, another new game. Ooh. Last week, we played uh, the uh, IMDb keyword game, which we got more coming for that, baby. Uh, but we, we're going to do a little uh, name that clip. Ooh. So this is going to be a who said it game. I mean, I won the last game, so Eamon should probably get the advantage of going first. But I'll go first if you want. Yeah, Kyle, you'll go first, and then Eamon. So you're, there's going to be three clip or three clips, and each of you are going to guess. So it'll be six total clips. So Kyle, you're up first. And what am I guessing? The episode. So you have to guess the episode the clip is from. Okay. Okay. Ah. So it is time to play name that quote. Okay, Kyle. Quote number one. What episode is this from? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Wait, what? I'll play it again. What episode is this clip from? Play, on, play along at home, everybody. <laughs> hey, how you doing? That's it? Uh, I'm going to guess Family Tree. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. You uh. got it right. How did you get that? I thought it was him going up to the receptionist, doing like a saccharine, <laughs> like, I'm going to pretend to be somebody I'm not voice. What, wow. What, what, what scene was it's it? It's actually, oh, you're wrong. It's oh, not sorry. that scene. No, uh, <laughs> that counts. Uh, it's actually when uh, Joe, his like deadbeat dad, comes in. And yeah. Richie's like mopping the floor. He's like, hey, how you doing? Weird. Very good job, right. Kyle. Impressive. Work. The best around. All right, Eamon, <laughs> round one for you. Okay. What episode is this line from? You may come here under the color of authority. But you're oh, this is that game again? Nobody's above the law. Not this even. is that game again? Eamon, what episode is that from? Oh, is this uh, under color of authority? One to one. I like oh, it. Wow. Keeping it tight. Okay, I'm having a flashback to the movie <laughs> trivia game. but all right, Oh, you didn't do too well on that one. I don't no, like. I didn't. Eamon, cleaned up. Yeah. All right. Round number two. Oh, Kyle, what episode is this clip from? <laughs> no, not this time. Nowhere to run. I'm sorry. That is from The Beast Below. Oh, Richie's uh, getting his eye patched by Tess. Damn. An uh, eye patch. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, Eamon. Round two. This is your chance to pull ahead. Yeah. Uh, I'm very nervous. Don't blow it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Try not to. Uh, Eamon. It's just a clip from this episode where he <laughs> quite an unholy alliance. Eamon, what episode is this clip from? Hey, look. You're not going to go down there, man, are you? To the zone? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, is this the zone? Correct. Oh. All right. How'd you get that? Two to one. <laughs> two to one. Oh, this is my only chance to pull this out. I gotta. Yeah. I'm, fl- I'm playing for the tie right now. That's true. Yeah, I, I don't think we have to figure out a tiebreaker round if if that is ever going to come to it in this game. <laughs> All right. So, Kyle, can you name the episode this clip comes from? Oh God. <laughs> Oh, that was disgusting. I'll play it. I'll play it again for everybody. <laughs> really, you don't have. To. <laughs> is, is that from the Gathering? Close. It's from Freefall. Oh. That those are the sounds of Joan Jett's wet lips smacking oh. against Richie Ryan's. Oh God! All right, Eamon. All right. All right. This is this is for the embarrassment. I'm yeah. Very nervous. This is to clean yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> Eamon, what is the name of this episode? It's called The Sea Witch. <laughs> Do you, any, any guesses, Eamon? I'm going to say that this, this episode was Bless the Child. I'm sorry, it's actually the sea witch. What? Yeah. what? Uh, so two to one. Yeah. Tal- talent for brutality. Closer than I talent thought it would be. For brutality. <laughs> I love that in a man. Very good. So Kyle won one real game against me legitimately. I am, sh- I am shocked that you got that one right. It was amazing. <laughs> well, sometimes you're a champ. That's why you, that's why you're one of the rewatchers. We don't let anybody in here. <laughs> that's yeah. right. I actually, this is what my audition was like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we all had to addition. Audition. Audition. For this. We did some addition too yeah. and subtraction. Yeah. No division though. Not in this group. <laughs> so what do we what do we think of this episode? Any closing thoughts for it's Unholy Alliance Part One? Yeah, oh, it is great. Good Absolutely one. great. Yeah. Yeah. We we talked a lot about like this is silly. This is one of those classic examples where we yeah. talked a lot about like nitpicky shit. This is a fantastic. Oh yeah, episode. the tension yeah. between Mac and Joe is great. It's yeah. great to have Horton back. Rolling gifts, killing it. These action sequences are pretty solid all around. Yep, this is especially like... the Xavier McLeod fight is yeah. killer. Yeah, yeah. definitely is... check this out. Yeah. Mm? What's think... what's like the weakest part of this episode? Like Delaney? Yes. Yeah. It's not fleshed out enough. She's not useful enough. She she has an air of Randy McFarland about she totally her. Like does. this That's sort exactly. of like sleuthing around, but not really with, yeah. and without consequence at all. Without consequence and without a clear voice of what she's doing. Yeah. Like she doesn't have a true purpose, but she's there. Charlie's underutilized also. He doesn't really need to be in this episode. But I like that there's stakes. Like Yeah, no, there's emotional stuff. about Charlie, he's hurt. And I was feeling for Charlie in his injured state. Like mm-hmm. I was concerned about him. Yeah, there's tension there at least. Also so. You know, we're at a point where major characters have been eliminated from the show already. Like, yeah. I feel like, always felt like Mac has a lot of plot armor. But a guy like Charlie, yeah, you know, he could theoretically die at any time. Like, this today could be the day for Charlie. I was, you know, if I was watching this for the very first time and not a rewatcher, right. I would have been, you know, on the edge of my seat for Charlie, mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. Especially yeah. because it's like Mac's boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, very good. So, everybody, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Make sure to join us next week for the exciting conclusion of Unholy Alliance, colon, part two. Part two. <laughs> That's actually the spoiler. It's actually part three. Oh, uh, truly an unholy alliance. <laughs> We've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Xavier. Bye. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> See ya. 
That's not the Doug theme song. Yeah, that's the X-Men theme song. Yeah, it is. Done in the style of Doug. Damn it, I'm sorry. The Doug theme song kind of sounds like the Seinfeld theme song. (laughs) 